0: Hello, 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 and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Podcast. So today's episode is a Q&A with my clients in the Female Fat Loss Program and my one-to-one clients. That's halfway through the Female Fat Loss Program, which is madness and the changes that are happening in that group. and one to one clients since we started kind of coming back after Christmas. It's just mental and it is a lot of the side. It is just mental side of things, the relationship with food. And once that changes, everything else changes. Uh, too many people try to change their weight rather than trying to change their minds and if they change their minds and change their relationship with things then wash your space. But today's episode is a load of questions that are kind of coming in from clients in relation to how to stop feeling like a failure or weight loss. We talk about Fitbits, we talk about whey protein, we talk about what's better for weight loss, strength, training, or cardio. We talk about toning tummy areas. We talk about walking. We talk about a load of different things. So it's a really, really cool episode. It's a really, really useful episode. I talk a lot in it, so hopefully I don't lose you halfway through. Or you don't find it too boring, but hopefully you enjoy today's Q&A with my clients from last night's life. So before I start today's podcast, I'm delighted to announce it's a brand new sponsor for the Shane Walsh podcast. So I want you to stop think and ask yourself do you feel like the best version of yourself are you stressed having trouble sleeping or issues with pain management introducing irish-owned cbd self premium cbd oil the natural solution to reducing anxiety improving sleep and helping with pain management cbd self oils are made from the finest organically grown hemp ensuring the best quality and purity all oils are produced the highest standard and are independently third-party lab tested CBD Self have a range of CBD oils with different strengths based on your unique needs and are very proud to introduce their brand new product, De-Stress Oil. This uniquely formulated oil targets stress and anxiety. Become your best self with CBD Self. Visit www.cbdself.com to order yours today. And as a sponsor of the podcast, I'm honoured and delighted to give you a 15% discount for all listeners of the Shane Walsh podcast. So please use the code Shane15 to get 15% off your order. Now for the podcast. Okay, so the questions that came in look great, and um, the questions that kind of came in from everyone look um, fantastic, and they, they are really useful questions. And some are really heavy towards the mindset side, which is the kind of like I prefer that talking about the, the the mindset stuff, and then the nutrition side of things is kind of where people are trying to improve their information and trying to improve on that Um, and so if there's any questions that kind of come in on that side, please do let us know. So loads and loads of different questions from the, on the group um, in relation to failure, different questions about protein, different questions about uh, protein shakes, different questions about Fitbits, different questions about how to track when meals out, how often should you change your workout routine, uh, what is better for strength and tre- or what is better for weight loss, strength or, tre- or cardio, uh, specific, can you tone your stomach or a spot reduce belly fat and how to increase the pace of walking. Okay, so we'll take it really slow. If I speak too fast, ask me to calm down. Um, I've just had dinner, so I'm probably full of energy. So we will get going now. So we'll just let this last one in. Okay. So the big one of the big questions was in relation to how to stop feeling like a failure. And this could be a, an episode on itself. And there have been episodes done on fear of success, fear of failing, fear of a lot of different things, and self-worth has a massive impact on it. But when it comes to weight loss in particular, a lot of people can feel that they're so used to failing and it can impact on their self-worth so much. And this whole thing of when people are trying to lose weight, this can feel like past results or these failures can feel like failure itself. And it's such a powerful thing that actually eats away and chips away at a person's confidence and at that individual. But how hey, we need to kind of reframe it a little bit and we need to fuel this positive change towards the direction you want to go without feeling this guilt or shame spiral that you're currently feeling and in the world of weight loss right there is this fear of fear is almost a bad word like sins or carbs or fats they're like it's a bad word when it comes to kind of weight loss we fear the scales we fear the doctor we fear shopping for clothes we fear going out with friends we fear the camera we fear being fear failing. We fear being embarrassed. And the more we fear, the more we kind of go in with into inwards. I mean, the the more we kind of go into ourselves and more that we retreat and the harder it is to climb out of that and climb it out to those destructive habits that we have actually made for ourselves. And I know from talking with a client recently, maybe two weeks ago, one of the sentences that she had used previously in a conversation on an application form with me was, She'd use a sentence of that I am someone who has childbearing hips. And that can be a negative connotation because you're putting yourself down straight away. And that can that can knock your confidence and that can strike fear of this is what I am, this is what I I, I believe in, what I am. And that can have a knock-on, a knock-on effect onto actually how you act and how you believe as well. But if you look at Google right now and how to enter the first couple of words in how to. Your your on your first search it'll be how to lose weight really quickly all right so a really really quick google search will give you that and this can make the process of losing weight seem really really difficult because you don't know what to believe you don't know what to do and it can be really really overwhelming and if you look at how to lose weight look get the atkins diet you get the baby food diet you get the best life diet you get the biggest loser diet the body for life diet cabbage soup cheaters cookie dash Eat more or weigh less, eat this not right, eat right, type. eat for your body type, five factor diet, oh, I can eat a flat belly diet, even if I don't know, some stupid diet. And that's only literally like a handful of names that I've written off intermittent fasting, keto, whatever it is. Just look at some stupid thing that's on Diary of the CEO. You'll see a stupid diet, and that's what's probably going on to Diary of the CEO. But if we look at some of the research that's out there, right? So there's research and interviews done with about 67 participants in this particular study, all right? So I've had to do a lot of research into this actual question to make it nerdy and make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, and they found common themes, themes amongst these kind of interviewers in this uh, Monash University. And one of the most common themes that was what people were living with obesity, and obesity is a disease. It's not a life choice, which a lot of people can think. It's not a, life, it's, not a it's not a life choice. It actually is a thing. Um, and people need to acknowledge that it is a, a, a disease and people who have been yo-yo dieting, who are suffering with obesity can be so socially conditioned to turn to really fast and really fad diets for a cure for their obesity. And then they end up blaming themselves when those diets fail. Okay. So then we believe that that's that we're the issue and that chips away at your confidence. And then further research actually suggests that many people to do try to diet uh, have done so, and they actually end up putting the weight back on a little bit more. But if we want to look at it from a point of view in relation to failure, the failure odds decrease hundred percent when efforts in the future would sets people up for future failure. So a lot of people. I'm not saying that weight loss. What I'm about to say is not going to be taken. Is going to be taken out of context by someone. So what I'm going to say is that a lot of <clears throat> a lot of people, when they're trying to lose weight, is they don't put in, they don't fully go into the pro- to go into the process. They kind of dip one toe in and one dip to dip one toe out, because they don't fully believe they're going to achieve their their goal. So then if they don't fully commit to it. They're not surprised by the outcome at the very end. They'll kind of almost go, I told you so. And what happens is if we only half-arse these these fad diets that are out there, this begins this negative cycle of failure and be- begins this negative emotion. There's expectations of future failure and, f- and and lower future effort is an outcome of that. And the first thing you need to do is you need to stop this kind of fad diet thing. Fad diet essentially means food, avoid- food avoidance diet. That's, it's an acronym for that. So if you stop cutting shit out, life will be easier. But too many people think that the only way to lose weight is through suffering and misery. And that's often what people's definition is. I've never seen anyone last or have success through misery in anything really. So we need to look at what can help you in relation to getting away from that mindset. It can be, and and this is done on studies, and this is done on studies from the National Weight Control Registry. And they had a database of members who have lost on average about 33 kg. I think it's about 73 pounds, 70 to 73 pounds. And they kept the weight off for more than five years. OK, so generally when they talk about diets not working, it's up to about five years is the parameters they look at. What these people did is they had decent levels of activity, either through walking, swimming, jogging, weight straining. They ate calories at around kind of around the kind of 1800 to 2000 mark. Majority of the time. They had decent breakfasts because they ate regularly. They monitored their weight regularly to kind of check in with themselves to know when they need to push or when they need to go. And they consistent eating pattern. So when people say, well, I'm skipping breakfast and I don't know why I'm eating the press in the evenings, eat regularly. And then they kind of almost, the, the, the method hasn't involved a slip or had, the method has involved a slip. And what I mean by that is because they're checking in on themselves, they have that accountability piece. They know when they're weighing in, they kind of say, oh, I'm getting a little bit cocky here. Or, I'm mini quitting or whatever the language you want to use is they're recognizing that they just, they're just they getting taking the foot off the gas a little bit too much. So they know that, that they have the tool, that they go back into that regular eating pattern, not skipping meals, high protein, regular calories, regular exercise. They will be fine and they'll get into that positive mindset, which is the crucial part. So they know from the past experience of what has worked, if they went back to that method, when they have that accountability to themselves, they'll know that they'll, have, that they'll know what to do at the end of it. And giving 100% efforts to anything can be scary. It really can be and it can rob us of any idea and rob us of any excuse that if we fail but the reality of it is that if you keep giving a hundred percent effort you cannot fail because you can are continually trying so if you think about it this way there's a psychologist called ellen langer um and she talks about um a process and, and talks about the weight loss process as kind of entailing I was like how can I do it rather than can I do it so you're looking for a positive outcome at the end of it rather at the beginning of it rather than saying what can I do it's like how can I do it so what does it involve to do that process how can I eat regularly well I can plan a little bit more how can I book an exercise maybe it's to go in with a friend So how can I get myself to do that? Because a lot of people are very good at saying, well, I can't do this and I can't do this. I don't have time. I don't have this. I don't have that. We're all very good at saying we're very, very busy, which becomes an identity. And then that leads into that spiral of failure. So if you look at it, smoking, when people are giving up smoking, a smoker takes about on average 30 times, so three zero times to quit or attempts to quit before successfully quitting for one year. So think about it this way. That's 30, ineffective solutions, not failures. So a lot of people when they're losing weight will have, have had ineffective solutions in order to lose weight before they have found the right one. It's almost like dating, to be honest with you. And this idea, ideology should really, really apply to weight loss as well. So we need to look at it from a point of view as there lessons to be learned from previous methods we can either let them hold us back or we can look and learn from those. So if we know that those fad diets and those aggressive diets haven't worked for us before, they're not going to start now. And this fear of trying and fear of failing, if you go into that audition and don't try, you're not going to get the audition because you're not prepared. You're not ready to work as hard. You're not willing to have some element of sacrifice along the way. And you can use that as an excuse of, uh, I, I didn't really think I was going to get it. So I didn't really try And that can happen for some people. I don't want to take this to take people that people to take this whole thing out of context of that not wanting it enough or not trying or whatever it may be. I don't want that to be the method or the message, what I've been trying to say. But an awful lot of what dictates people's efforts with fat loss and weight loss is previous attempts. But if you look at those previous attempts that you've ever taken, how long did you actually go for it? Well, one, it could have been restrictive. So I understand why you didn't try it. Or didn't do it for long enough it could have been restrictive but how long did you fully immerse yourself in the process or did the scales not go down quick enough for you based off previous methods and that happens a lot it's like well the scales isn't going down enough but i'll ask the question like well you weighed that amount before and you've weighed less and you still weren't happy so what's going to change for you now so it's not about the scales that people are chasing it's a feeling but it's not the scales that people are chasing it's a feeling in themselves, the mental clarity, that less restrictive mindset, that less chaotic mindset. The feeling in their clothes, the feeling of confidence, the feeling of being able to get fo- into photos with their kids, the feeling of having lower cholesterol, the feeling of being able to enjoy meals out and drinks out with friends without feeling that like you fucked everything. That's what people need to concentrate on more. But what too many people focus on is in the scales, and you will 100% fail every time if you work only by the scales because you have zero control over zero control over it and i mean that the scales will do what the hell it wants like i've actually got clients in the last kind of couple of weeks in order to buy new scales and once they step in the new scales that number actually read less that's to show how inaccurate weighing scales are they can change from one weighing scales to another i didn't go out and buy an expensive one it's about 20 quid or whatever it was but it showed you that that's how inaccurate the scales can be. You can do another experiment of weigh in first thing in the morning after you go to the bathroom before any food or drink and drink and then weigh, take a note of that number. And then about two hours later, after you drank about two liters of water, weigh in again. That's how easy it is to make that scales go up. But too many people blame it on carbohydrates, sugar, stress, uh, alcohol, all these kinds of different th- foods. But it's as simple as drinking water is how you make that scales go up. And we latch on to say, well, if it's not gone enough, if it's not gone quick enough, well, then I'm just going to stop because we've told ourselves that if we've already told ourselves the outcome before we even start, if this doesn't go fast enough, well, then it's, I'm going to stop. You've already told yourself, so you're not surprised by the outcome. And when you get your 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 confirmation bias, you're confirmed. You're like, oh, this is this is the wrong approach for me. Well, and it may be. But often what happens is people get impatient around four weeks in, five weeks in, because they're comparing themselves to every other approach they've ever taken. where They've lost a hell of a lot of weight, but you've never kept it off. So is it a fair comparison? So I would always say if you try something and immerse yourself in it fully, you'll get what you want out of it, if it's the right method. But if it's the right method and you don't fully immerse yourself in the process, then you're going to go nowhere. So too many people will dip the toe in and dip the toe out and wonder why they're stuck where they are after a little while. So that fear of kind of like, that fear of, it's it's not necessarily feeling like a failure. It's it's a feeling of low self-worth because we haven't succeeded, but we haven't succeeded because we haven't led the right actions to get to that goal. So a lot of it can come from past efforts. A lot of it can come from self-worth and self-esteem. And a lot of it can also come from what our actual outcome on our method is as well. But it can also come from an element that we can not control, which is how much we immerse ourselves in the process. I often say it when I talk to clients, one-to-one clients in particular, the clients that are kind of plodding along, plodding along, plodding along, are the ones that get the results. The ones that go really quickly at the beginning, can get great results, but then when you take the foot off. So I'd rather someone lose half a pound, a pound a week. I had a client recently lose 55 pounds over the course of 55 weeks. Some people would say that's really slow. I'm like, well, it's a pound a week on average since we started. There was weeks that we lost two or three pounds. But 55 pounds is quite spectacular if you think about how big 55 pounds is. But people want 10 kg loss in one week. But they also don't want to put the effort in at the same time. We all want the path of least resistance. And I said this on a post recently. I think I put on the post today. It was like, a lot of us don't actually have an ability issue when it comes to things. It isn't an ability issue for an awful lot of We've lost weight before. We've all lost weight before. Often it's a perspective issue. Often it's a perspective issue that when we have maybe overeaten we lose perspective and we decide to press the up button as a way to control the mechanism. And that makes us feel like a failure. But we haven't fully immersed ourselves. We haven't worked on this. We haven't worked on our headspace. So if we work on our headspace, because it doesn't matter what you weigh. You've weighed less before and you still weren't happy. It just shows the mental work is where people need to go. And some people aren't ready for it. And that's cool. But the mental work and the mental clarity is where people will see the goals. All right. So that's the fear of failure piece. The next question is in relation to pre-made protein shakes, protein bars, pros and cons. All right. So um, I know Alyssa spoke about the protein bars on the last live. So I won't be spending too much time. And I think she spoke about it all fair. So I don't want to bore people too much. Protein shakes are handy if you're struggling to get your protein on. I wouldn't be walking around like Arnold Schwarzenegger all the time, just necking them all the time um there's nothing wrong with them but whey protein powder which i'll talk about in a second is the next question it's really handy to put into overnight oats or to if you're looking for to put into smoothies or if you're looking to have a quick top up of protein um just as if you're low on protein throughout the day Uh, it can be really really useful protein bars are really really handy on the go um they can If you eat too many of them, it can have a laxative effect for some people. Um, So it can be, if someone has IBS, they can have a laxative effect on some people. But they're all handy on the go. They can be cheap sometimes. Uh, They can be added to meals if you're really struggling. They can add it to snacks if you're really struggling. Um, Some people, the difference in taste or the texture, if you're on vegan protein or um, vegetarian protein powder, they don't smell great. And they may not taste great. So it's just sometimes it might be trying to find the one that works for you. And then I'll bet the IBS as well. So protein powder is a really, I have protein powder probably six days a week in, relate, in just putting into my breakfast. Like I just, it's just automatic pilot at this stage. It's just, it's just easy. Just put a bit of oats in, put a bit of whey in, put a bit of fruit in, put a banana in, and then throw in a little bit of milk into it. And that's my breakfast you can throw in chia seeds it's just an easy 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 way to get protein first thing in the morning and you don't have to it doesn't take ages to do it you can put it into the fridge overnight and you've got overnight oats and they're really handy particularly if you're on the go an awful lot particularly with smoothies and stuff you can make those the night before and if you've got the kids sports at sports on the weekends and you're in the car waiting for them to get togged out in the warm-up and you want to watch their match you can bring that along with you in your, in your little tupperware if you wanted to, um, they're really, really handy to get like 20 or 30 grams of protein in straight away. And then that's probably, because um, I, can, I can see some people have had 23 grams for the whole day and kind of like if you had protein in your breakfast, it would be more than that straight away. All right. Um, then we've got whey isolate versus whey protein. Okay, so whey protein is, a lot of the protein that you see in protein bars in drinks and in powders is derived from milk. Okay. Um, and when milk is processed in from cheese to yogurt, the skin of that or the top layer of that is called whey. So when it's dried out, it's called whey. All right. Little Miss Tuffet sat in our tough using our curds and whey. Yeah, that's where whey is. The liquid contains this like really, really fast absorbing protein. And it's normally called whey protein powder. Okay. And before processing about 20% of the protein in milk is whey. And the other 80% is made up of the slower digesting casein proteins. Then whey and casein are both considered really, really high quality protein because they contain all these amino acids needed by your body. So if you're getting all your amino acids through regular feedings of protein through the day, you do not need to take BCAAs. They are literally expensive urine if you are getting enough protein throughout the day. If you are a vegan or vegetarian and you're not getting the loads of different sources from proteins or the the different branch chain amino acids, it may be beneficial. It's not mandatory, but it may be beneficial. But you can get it through food. Okay, ways is is considered particularly beneficial for bone health, particularly as you head towards perimenopause, recovery, building muscle, um, keeping you fuller for longer. So there's a lot of benefits to it and your immune system. So there's different types of way. There's way concentrate and there's way isolate. All right. And these forms are using different factors as well. Um, And they're processed a little bit differently as well. well. So we need to look at it from a point of view of from whey isolate. um, Whey isolate may both have lactose in them. So lactose is a sugar. People don't realize that lactose is a sugar. All right. So when people hear sugar they freak the frick out. Cause I think sugar is the reason why people are overweight. It is not the reason people why people are overweight. But there's two kind of different kind of ways to look at it. Um it may take a higher dosage of whey isolate to, to compensate for the higher for the same dosage of whey, but it can also come as a lower cost. So whey isolate can be a little bit cheaper, I think, than whey protein. Um, but there isn't a if you have IBS or have issues digesting dairy, whey isolate doesn't have as high a content of dairy. Um, there's nothing wrong with dairy. You need dairy for your bones, then bones, then bones, and calcium. Um, so dairy is not the issue for an awful lot of people. Um, but whey isolate has a lower lactose lactose content, and this can be helpful for some people with lactose intolerance, or it can be helpful for some people. Um, but the amount of lactose in both forms of whey protein is likely to be low enough uh, for those anyway, to are lactose intolerant. But if you're finding that it's easier to digest for you, well, then I'd go for isolate over whey protein. All right. Hopefully that makes this question there. Um, my Fitbit readiness score actually is is my fitness is my Fitbit readiness score actually accurate if it is not if it is not worth it looking at, like today it's a slow, but I was four, t- four times up in the night and my kids have broken sleep. So with the Fitbits and all those jazzy tools that are out there, like the whoop band and the Fitbit and stuff, they're really useful for some. Um, they're really, really useful for some. But you will know your body better than any whoop band or fitbit so if you know you haven't slept very well the night before and you've woken up tired well you know you woken up tired so you don't really need an app on your phone or a watch to tell you what to do so they're really useful whoop bands are great if you're like a high performing athlete for general population there's no real need for them personally i don't know i don't work for them um, but Fitbits are great. The calories tracked on them or the calories burned on them is not accurate in any way. Um, but if it's kind of like you're, um, you'll be able to tell if your body's tired from training or a poor night's sleep, you don't really need a watch to tell you that. All right. So that will be my suggestions on that. Um, next question. When eating out, what's the best way to work out calories to log into the app, say for a small Caesar salad or a steak and chips? So the big thing that I would say is I would rather have the steak and chips than the chicken Caesar salad. Personally. Chicken Caesar salad is really high in calories. It's like a 1,000 to 1,200 calories. It's really high in calories. And I never feel full after it. I feel I feel sick after it because the sauce is so rich. So and a steak and chips is probably going to be lower calories for you. and probably going to fill you up even more. So there's no perfect way to count your calories if you're out for a meal. So there's a full-blown episode on how to count your calories on a meal out. On the, on the podcast, if you actually search for it, I don't think it's too long ago. I think it's maybe like 15 episodes ago. There's no perfect way. So if you think about the chef's job is number one is to make the food tasty as hell. They're not there to make it as calorie friendly as they can. Okay. So some, some restaurants like Nando's and stuff, they have the calories on it. So it can be a little bit easier. Some restaurants don't. So what you could do is if you're out for a meal and you have a look at the menu beforehand, maybe, and you're thinking, right, I'm going to have the steak and chips and you think it's probably like, I don't know, seven or 800 calories. Maybe what you could do is multiply it by 1.5 and that could be a little bit closer for, for you because the chef has probably thrown in maybe higher fats or butter or something like that or oil into it and has made it a little bit higher ca- higher in calories compared to what it normally would be. So rather than that kind of like 800 calories, it could be easily 1,200 calories. So it's not an exact science. It's a theory that I've created. It's not an exact science, but it does help people to, when you're entering into the app, just multiply it by 1.5. You'll get different protein. You'll get different macros for it if you just left it at one. The other way you could do it is Do the two out of four rule if you're going out for your meals. So starter, main, dessert, drink. Have two of the four. Maybe if you want to have all four, that's fine. But if there's food guilt, it means that you're saying that something is wrong. Or maybe you're not even living by your values. Or you've done something wrong because you're full and you're feeling bloated. You haven't done anything wrong. You're human. You will eat past fullness at some stage in your life. And that's okay sometimes it, it's it, it can make us feel sluggish and makes us feel lethargic, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing it. So two out of four meal can really help some people. starter and main is some people's choice. Main and dessert is some people's choice or a main out a drink is some people's choice or two desserts or whatever structure fancy. But the one and a half thing really helps some people and the two out of four meal helps some people. But if you're doing it and you're counting calories, bank your calories by about ten percent. So if you're on eighteen hundred to two thousand calories, ten percent of the two thousand is two hundred. So you're on eighteen hundred for the week, and then you're adding up about fourteen hundred calories that you can over have, over subscribe to on one day across the week, and you'll still be within your range. So even if you're kind of on eighteen hundred throughout the week, and you had thirty four hundred calories on the Saturday you'd still be within your deficit, if that's what your deficit is. That shows how you can plan ahead for yourself, but too many people won't plan ahead in order to have those occasions. And if you do it once or twice, it will build that confidence for yourself in it. Uh, If you think if you do it once or twice, you won't need to think about it as much. And I've seen a few people try to do it, but I can see that they're not planning. They haven't planned enough in their week in order to make the weekend work for them or else they've gone the other extreme which they've tried to restrict so much in the earlier on in the week that when it gets to Wednesday, they're absolutely starving. They overindulge on Wednesday and they're they're overindulged on Thursday because they don't know how to reset. So it depends on the right tool, depends on where the person is at. But the 1.5 thing really helps and the two out of four thing helps as well. We need to realize it's not, it's not the meal out that derails people. It's not the drinks out that derails people. It's the continued action afterwards that derails people. And that is a personal choice. So next question. How often should you change your weights routine? The answer is, it depends. It depends is the answer. So if you have been consistent and you're trying to hit two to three sessions a week on average, your best week is three sessions a week. Your good enough week is two sessions in your week. And you've been really consistent with it and your strength is going up. Your reps are going up and you're still enjoying it. Well, then there's maybe no real need to change it. If you want to change it, maybe keep the compound lifts in it or change the reps of it. So maybe you're doing reps of 10 to 12 and now you want to do a little bit of strength and you want to lower that to five to three to five or six to eight. So you're doing bench press to your squats. But generally about, I don't know, I've done I've done the same program sometimes for about six months because I was enjoying it. I was, I changed one or two things with cables and stuff. But generally I would say every six to eight weeks. If someone is not seeing any strength going up or if they hit a plateau with with their strengths or their reps. So a lot of people think that they need to go up in weight every single time when they're lifting. You can go up in reps. You can go up in one kgs or whatever it may be. And one of the things that a lot of people can struggle with is the lat raises. If you're going from five kg to seven and a half kg with lat raises, one, your probably your form isn't great, but you're still going up by you're going up by a considerable amount of the percentage of it. So, and also it's out here. It's out to the side. So gravity is trying to pull you and makes it harder. So don't be afraid to go up by 0.5s or 1 kgs if you can and add reps in first. It doesn't always have to be the weight. So every six to eight weeks is a solid place to aim for. If, as long as strength's going up, as long as reps are going up, you're in a solid place And as long as you've been consistent. But if you're not consistent, I would look at why you're not consistent first. Is that you're not making time for it? Is that you're not enjoying the program? Is it that you're getting impatient and your impatience is causing the issues? And that can happen for a lot of people is, well, I feel I should be sweating. I feel like I should be burning. I feel like I should be. this should be really harder. Because we're addicted to hit sessions and that endorphin burn of, that dopamine hit or having a big sweaty forehead, they're great and all, but if you're stressed to the absolute max and your sleep is shite, they're not going to help. Um, they're not going to help. Um, so the next question is stress, anxiety, more stress, trouble sleeping. It's a continuous negative cycle. This seems to be the norm for modern life. It doesn't always have to be like this though. Try CBD Self's uniquely formulated combination of CBD and CBG de-stress oil. Designed to help naturally reduce stress and anxiety. Become your best self with CBD Self. Check out the website www.cbdself.com and use Shane15 to get a 15% discount off your order. What is better for weight loss, strength or cardio training? So the answer is... Both. So the answer is both. So nutrition drives the fat loss vehicle. So if you think of it like a pyramid, like so, the base of that is the most important thing, and your calories and your food is the most important thing. Your training, et cetera, is about third or fourth on that list. That's how it's important for your body composition, your training but your nutrition is the most important thing when it comes to fat loss. So really, it doesn't matter what type of training you are doing. If you're looking to, body comp- to build muscle and you're looking to improve your body composition, then weights. And if you are building muscle, you'll have more lean muscle. So you may weigh a little bit heavier and therefore you'll maybe need a little bit more calories. If you are doing cardio, like running or whatever it may be, you could be cardiovascular fit but you're not going to really burn All right, so you're not really going to build muscle through running it's a different type of muscle you're working the organs and stuff a little bit more through getting your heart rates up and stuff so it's your food that is the most important factor probably your mindset is close to it, but your training and stuff like that it's what you enjoy but if you're looking to improve body composition and for overall health, overall, and I would say a combination of weight training and a little bit of cardio is probably probably a safe bet. But if you're looking to improve your bone body composition and your bone health over time, weights training is the is the gold standard for you. All right, steps is also a massive factor as well. So I would say steps has a better. I'm going to say this warily. You burn more calories through steps than you actually do through the gym. But a lot of people don't enjoy walking. They see it as pointless. They don't see that they're getting their sweat on. They don't see like They just see it as pointless. But it can help. So if you're getting anywhere around 7,000 steps a day, consistently over time, alongside your food, you'll have pretty decent weight loss goals. That client who has lost 55 pounds the first six months was just steps. We didn't do weights because we needed to manage the headspace first. So nutrition number one, mindset, steps, weights, or cardio. It's probably how I would phrase it. Question number eight. I know I can't spot reduce specific areas of the body, but just wondering if I need to do an additional core workout to tone the tummy area and knowing that it is all about the food really. So what the word tone means is means build muscle. You can't tone a muscle. You build a muscle, but you can't tone a muscle. Okay. Okay. So in order to build your core, it needs involves working on your core exercises and your, your stomach in general and your abs. We all have abs. But what covers it is generally layers of fat. Okay. And that will be different for different people. Women will generally have a little bit more fat than men. For to protect the reproductive organs, so there is logic to it. So, if we were to look to build core exercises in, if it's to build muscle and to and to improve your core and to improve your abs, well, then yeah, you could build in core workouts. Is it necessary? Is it high on the? Is it high on the gold standard of what we need to do? Probably not. But if someone has a weak core. Maybe bringing in some Pilates, maybe maybe doing a little bit of work on their core could be useful. Two three times a week, two three exercises a week on it at the end of a workout could be really really helpful. But it's not going to all of a sudden trim the body fat off your your stomach area in order to belly burn that fat. That 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 the nutrition piece is what's going to direct that and how we reduce the belly fat. And where we hold our belly fat on our bodies is completely genetic. I know for me, I will hold the majority of my body fat around kind of like the midriff underneath the belly button and on my hips. But some other people will hold it in their legs that are in their bum. Everyone's completely different. And that's what makes us unique. That's what makes us special. You can feel like it's driving us insane. I know when I did my fitness photo shoot, it was the last part for me to go. It only I literally got the six pack within the last three days. But I had to give up a lot and do an awful lot of extra exercise and steps in order to do it. And it wasn't worth it. But some people can be lean all year round and not have to worry about it at all. But some people have to give it up an awful lot to get that lean, toned stomach that they're looking for. And it's depending on what you want to do. It depends on how much suffering you want to have alongside it. For me personally, it wasn't worth it. But I know I have clients currently who have better ab genetics than me. And it comes a little bit naturally, more naturally to them to have that definition in their stomachs. So we don't necessarily need to we still do core workouts. We still do ab exercises so that those abs, so those muscles build up for them so that when they go down to their body, lower body fat, that they'll be able to see that definition for themselves. Can't, but you can't tone a muscle is the big sentence what I'm taking from that. All right. Um, and also if you're doing like compound lifts, like squats and deadlifts and stuff, you're going to be co- co- training the abs already to, if you're bracing yourself properly. If you're not bracing yourself properly, I don't mean just hold your breath in, which is all that people do. It's actually, take, it's actually breathing in through your nose and breathing out through your nose. That's how you core. That's how you brace your core. It's not breathe in and go purple. That's not how you do it. All right? Anyone can hold their breath. That's not what a core brace is um so the three more questions how would i increase the pace of walking if i'm on my own and not walking with someone else so have you got a route that you would normally go you could time yourself you can get like apps like strava if you wanted to or you could just time yourself and say all right i'm going to beat that time you, are, you could ask yourself, are you out of breath when you're walking? So imagine there is someone talking or talking beside you. Are you out of breath talking to that person? Was if you're out of breath, it means you're kind of like you're building your heart rate up. You could walk up hills if you want to build up the intensity that way. And you'll walk faster if you go down the hill. And then also you could build up the endurance by walking for a little bit longer as well. You could also listen to higher tempo music if that's what you wanted to do as well. Uh, I know there's playlists that you can put on Spotify that has a solid BPM uh, to it. Sometimes I listen to those when I'm going for runs. Uh, I listen to higher BPM music in order to kind of go along with the beat and be able to kind of push yourself. Uh, should you do intervals? I wouldn't worry about it. Like, no. I think uh, I would just go for a walk. I wouldn't overcomplicate it. Uh, like I, too many people overcomplicate training and walking and nutrition. Like I just, I would just go for a walk. Like I went out for a walk before dinner, and I've no idea how many steps it is. I've no idea how long I went out for. I just went for a walk. Sometimes it's just about going outside, rather than putting this pressure on ourselves to be perfect in inverted commas all the time just go for a walk, build up your, build up your distance, build up the length of time you're maybe going A4. But the most important thing is make sure you're enjoying it. Is it your time without headphones? Maybe it's the time to actually decompress through the stressful day or whatever it is, but we don't need to worry about intervals. No. Um, Next question is, I know that kefir is for good health, as is probiotics. So the question is, should I take a supplement for this or would it be safe to assume that if I have a balanced diet with plenty of fiber, I wouldn't need a supplement? That would be 1,000% correct. A supplement is to supplement a diet that is missing something. So when you look at multivitamins or for kind of those multi green things or those athletic green things that are happening at the minute, they're literally doing nothing for you if you're getting enough through your fibre and your 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 fruit and veggies and fruit already. You don't need that. Like if you're, yeah, probiotics needs to be personalised to the individual as well. You can't just go into a store and say and buy a probiotic. It's not straight. It's not tailored to your needs in any way. It's just a generic store brand. Kiefer is great if you want to use it. I don't really like the taste of it, but it can be useful. But I would just focus on getting chia seeds, flax seeds, blueberries, berries, strawberries, adding in a little bit more fruit, getting a bit more veggies in. If you have one type of veggie with your dinner, add it in a second one or get those multi-pack frozen ones. You know, I wouldn't need to supplement if you're getting enough. Don't need a supplement with it. And it's probably going to cost you more money to buy the supplement than it would to actually buy the actual vegetable itself. You can buy vegetables really cheap. Like frozen veggies are so much cheaper and they hold their nutrients more because they're going from the ground to the freezer rather than the fresh veggies, which go from the ground to the store and the air in the store uh, can take out the nutrients out of them. All right. Um, Last question is, Should I eat when I'm not hungry to get the three meals per day? Example, had a big lunch yesterday, chicken wrap and chips, felt sluggish all afternoon and just didn't want to eat later. So would have only meant two meals. So for this example, I'm guessing the goal is fat loss. So it depends is the answer. So I'm going to talk from my own personal experience what I would do in this situation. If I was out for lunch at, say, 1 or 2 o'clock and it got to about 8 or 9 o'clock, I would start to get peckish because I haven't eaten for six or seven hours. So I could be better off having something light as as a smaller meal, eggs on toast, beans on toast, overnight oats, whatever it may be just to make sure. And that will what that will help me to reduce is picking on those higher calorie foods, which are easier to eat, therefore keeping my calories lower. If someone is not counting calories, what they could do is, I would still maybe encourage someone to eat something later on in the evening because you're probably going to be pottering around the kitchen anyway out of boredom. So why not just get a little bit of Greek yogurt, a bit of fruit, because if you're not hungry, then why are you eating? So if you're not hungry, and like I would always ask the question, are you hungry enough for fruit? If you're hungry enough for fruit, you're generally hungry. It depends is the answer. But I know myself personally, like if I had lunch, let's say one or two, I wouldn't necessarily want a full-blown meal at like six or seven or seven or eight. I might just have something smaller uh, later on that evening. Or may I have nothing. I'll de- it depends. The answer always depends. Um, so I think that's all the questions there. Uh, so I will stop recording that episode of the podcast on. A load of different areas, a load of different information, so hopefully it hasn't overwhelmed you too much. If you have any questions on what's been sent over, have any queries, pop us a DM and we, I can clear things up for you. But hopefully you've enjoyed that episode. As always, please review the podcast. Leave a review up on iTunes or up on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Share it with a friend. But thank you so much for listening and hope you've enjoyed it.